podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Wednesday on which Liverpool take on Leicester City in the EFL Cup, getting started in our campaign in this competition that will hopefully end with us lifting some silverware later on in the season. So, uh, tonight we will likely see a heavily rotated team. I'd imagine it will be similar levels of rotation as to what we saw in LASK with a lot of changes, perhaps as many as nine, ten. I think it's obvious Cuevin Kelleher will start in goal. I think he'll play this entire competition start to finish. Right back is an interesting one. We'll come back to that. Costas will obviously start left back. In the middle, I think Gerald Kwanzaa will get a start, but maybe not. I think Ibu is certain to start, having started in the game against Lask and then not started against West Ham. I think Ibu will start tonight. Now, who partners him and who plays at right back are the questions in the defensive line. In midfield, Waturo Endo will start, Endo will start and Gravenberch will start. And up front, Di- uh, Diogo Jota and Cody Gakbo are almost certain to start. So that leaves four positions. Right wing, one of the midfielders, right back, and the second centre-back spot. Now, Stefan Besetic and Harvey Elliott will start. It's just a question of where. Does Harvey start in midfield or does he start right wing? If he starts in midfield, then Ben Doak will start in attack and that will be the front six boxed off. If Harvey starts on the right wing, then maybe Stefan Besetic starts in the midfield role and you get Besetic, Endo and Gravenberch as a midfield, which would have decent balance to it and allow Harvey to have a bit of a free roll off the right with Gakbo and Jota playing as the two primary goal threats. It would give Gravenberch more freedom as well if he had Endo and Besetic in midfield with him. Now, if Besetic starts in midfield, I think that means Joe Gomez will start right back. And if Joe Gomez starts right back, then I think Gerald Kwanzaa starts at centre-back. If Harvey's in midfield, then Besetic will start at right back and play the inverted role. And then it's a question centre-back. Is it Gomez or is it Kwanzaa? So I think there's four decisions to be made. I think there's two players, probably three players, certain to start. I think Joe Gomez will start. I really do. I think after his performance against West Ham... 
I think they'll want to keep him in rhythm and get him more minutes. So I think he will start. I'd like to see him start at right back with Kwanzaa at centre back. I'd like to see Bissetic in midfield because I think it makes more sense. And I'd like to see Harvey start right wing because I think it makes more sense. But it'll be interesting to see how we do. How we do line up. How Leicester line up. I think they will rotate heavily as well. They've played fairly weakened teams in their two previous rounds against Burton Albion and Tranmere Rovers, but obviously much lower level of competition. Leicester's primary focus this season is is the championship and getting promoted back into the Premier League, a league they should never have been relegated out of. It's They're one of the best teams to ever go down. That Leicester squad had no business being in a relegation battle with the quality that they had. Now, they had major issues at the back, obviously, and their goalkeepers were not good at all. But those sit squarely on the shoulders of Brendan Rodgers. Um, but when you've got, you know, Dewsbury Hall, you've got Tielemans, you've got Ndidi, you've got Madison, you've got Barnes, you've got Vardy, you've got Iheanacho, you really don't have any excuse for going down. You really don't have any excuse. And they had good left backs. They had solid right backs. The, the injury to James Justin hurt them. Centre-back and goalkeeper were the were the big flaws. And obviously, Ndidi had some injuries as well, but they had Bubakari Samari, who could play there. Midfield and attack, I think they were fairly strong. Full-backs were strong, just really centre-back. Rogers' decisions to sign Vestergaard and Suter and Woot Faze, just none of them worked. None of them worked at all, and, and they went down. Um, but they're aiming to get back up. I think they would probably be happy enough to go out at this stage of the tournament. They have no real opportunity to win this competition. Nobody thinks Leicester are going to win a tournament in which you've got City and Newcastle and Arsenal and Liverpool and Brighton and that's kind of all the good teams. But, you know, you're not giving Leicester much of a chance. So I think if they were to go out and just be able to focus back in on the league until January, I think they'd be very, very happy. And they've obviously made a great start. I think seven wins and one defeat from their eight games so far in the championship campaign. Um, Enzo Moraska has them playing nice football. They're moving the ball very quickly, very slickly. He's obviously someone that's worked under Guardiola. So there's obvious signs that City have influenced how he's setting his team up. Um, He's using Callum Doyle at left back in a way similar to how Pep used Nathan Aki last season, Josco Guardiola this season. The right back is getting forward a lot, whether it's Ricardo Pereira or whether it's uh, James Justin. He is changing the goalkeeper up. He brought two new goalkeepers in in the summer and decided that Danny Ward wasn't more than a third choice keeper, which, you know, speaks volumes. Um, he's getting really good performances from Dewsbury Hall, who I don't expect to play tonight. I wouldn't expect to see Pereira tonight either. I think a lot will depend on how he decides to set up. Will he come and play a back three? Will he come and play a back five? Will he stick with the back four he's used in the league? It's been a back three in this competition so far, once in a 3-4-2-1, once in a 3-2-4-1, similar to what City were using last season. 
And it, it was quite interesting. It really was. But I am looking forward to seeing how Leicester shape up. Uh, we are obviously nine-time winners of this competition and 13-time finalists in this competition, which is a very, very impressive record. We're the most successful club in this competition. Um, we dominated this competition in the in the 80s. Um, well, the early 80s. It was one that, that Bob Paisley enjoyed winning. It's certainly one that a lot of managers seemed to put a focus on, even more so at times than the FA Cup. Like Mourinho came to England, the first thing he did was target this competition because if you win silverware in February, it really does give you that boost for the back end of the season. We were the same a couple of years ago. When we won this competition, it was really the first, it was the first check mark for that quad we were we were chasing. And it really did give us a bit of a springboard. And we've seen others use it in the same way. Pep has won this competition a bunch of times. I believe four. Uh, City have won it eight times in total. Six in the last decade. So it's it's been their competition of late. But it's one that Guardiola really did target. And they won it four years on the bounce, which was impressive. You know, Ferguson won it four times. United have won it twice since they're the reigning holders and they obviously beat Crystal Palace last night. Um, But Mourinho in his first season, and then when he came back, when they won their league title under him in a second spell, they also won this competition. So it does matter. It matters to a lot of people. Brian Clough rated this competition highly as well. Uh, Our first final was the 1977-78 season. And we lost to Brian Clough's Nottingham Forest team. Went to replay after a nil-nil draw, and they beat us 1-0. John Robertson with the only goal. We won it for the first time in 1981. That year, we took on West Ham in the final. Phil Thompson was our captain. We drew in the first game. The game went to extra time at nil-nil. We scored in the 118th minute through Alan Kennedy. Thought we had it won, but Ray Stewart equalised with one of the last kicks of the ball and um, the game went to replay and we managed to beat them. 2-1 despite falling behind. Um, Paul Goddard scored early. Kenny Dalglish equalised and Alan Hansen gave us the win. So that year, we came into the competition in the second round. We lost our first leg game away to Bradford 1-0 and then beat them 4-0 in the second leg. And that set us on the way to, to victory. We then beat Swindon. We then beat Portsmouth. We beat Birmingham. Then we played Manchester City in the semi-final. We beat them 1-0 away and we drew 1-1 at home. And we went on to beat West Ham. In 1982, we won the competition again. We beat Exeter 5-0 in the first leg of the first round. Then we beat them 6-0 away just to compound the 
misery for them. 11-0 on aggregate. Shout out, Copology, a good Exeter boy. Uh, that was the second round, actually, because we didn't play in the first round because, obviously, Europe and top clubs. Uh, third round, we beat Middlesbrough 4-1. Fourth round, we drew with Arsenal 0-0. Away from home. And then in a replay at Anfield, we beat them 3-0. Uh, fifth round, we drew at home with Barnsley, but then went to Barnsley in a replay and beat them 3-1. In the semi-finals, we beat Ipswich 2-0 away, and then a 2-2 draw at home saw us into the final. We went 1-0 down to Spurs. Stephen Archibald scored after 11 minutes. Ronnie Whelan equalised on 87 to force it to extra time. Whelan put us 2-1 up on 111 minutes. And Ian Rush wrapped it all up with a bow on it in the 119th minute. We won it again in 1983, making sure that everybody realised that this was our competition and nobody else's. We beat Ipswich 2-1 in the first leg of the second round, away from home, and then beat them 2-0 at Anfield. Then we played Rotherham in the third round, beat them 1-0. In the fourth round, we played Norwich at Anfield, beat them 2-0. In the fifth round, we played West Ham at home, beat them 2-1. That put us into the semi-final. We played Burnley. We got a Manchester United-type draw this year, that year, didn't we? We played Burnley. We beat them 3-0 at Anfield. We lost 1-0 away, but it didn't matter. We played Manchester United in the final. Again, as the year before, we went behind Norman Whiteside opening the scoring on 12 minutes. Alan Kennedy equalised on 75. And then Ronnie Whelan, who seemed to enjoy the milk, I think it was called the Milk Cup at the time, um, in the 98th minute to give us the win. In, it was the, known as the Milk Cup, I'm right. Um, in 84, we won it again. This was the third year that Graeme Souness lifted it as captain. In the second round, first leg, we beat Brentford 4-1 away from home. And then we beat them 4-0 at home. Third round, we drew 1-1 away to Fulham. Drew 1-1 away to Fulham in a second, sorry, in a replay. And then in a second replay, because back then we didn't have penalty shootouts in these competitions for God knows what reason. We beat them 1-0 down at Craven Cottage. In the fourth round, because we hadn't played enough games, we drew 1-1 away to Birmingham. We beat them 3-0 at home. In the fifth round, we played Sheffield Wednesday. And we drew 2-2 away from home and then had to play them in a replay and beat them 3-0. In the semi-finals, we drew Walsall. We drew 2-2 at home. Seemingly just loving the draws. And then beat them 2-0 away. And that put us into a final against Aston. I'm sorry, against, uh, against Aston Villa. Against Everton. Everton had overcome Aston Villa. <laughs> we drew the final 0-0 at Wembley. And then in a replay at Main Road, we beat them 1-0, thanks to a Graham Souness goal. We reached the final in 1986-87, and we were beaten 2-1 by Arsenal. This time we went in front, Ian Rush scored, but Charlie Nicholas, in what's probably his only real notable moment for Arsenal, scored two goals in the final to give them a 2-1 win and send the cup to Highbury. We would win it again in 94-95 in the 
second round, the first leg, we played Burnley and beat them 2-0 at Anfield. And then we beat them 4-1 at Turf Moor. In the third round, we played Stoke. We beat them 2-1 at Anfield. In the fifth round, we played Blackburn and beat them 3-1 at Ewood Park. That was a really good result because that was a great Blackburn team, but we managed to get by them. In the quarterfinals, we beat Arsenal 1-0 at Anfield and then into the semifinals. And we beat Crystal Palace 1-0 at Anfield. Robbie Fowler scored in the 92nd minute and we beat them 1-0 down at Selhurst. And again, it was Robbie Fowler. And on to the final where we played the surprise package in Bolton. Now, going into the semifinals, we were heavy, heavy favourites to get through because Arsenal and United were both gone. Blackburn were gone. Obviously, we'd knocked out Arsenal and Blackburn. So that was two of the best teams in the country. Newcastle had gone out to Man City as well. So all of the, the top teams were gone. So you had lower league Swindon, pretty certain Bolton were championship side or division one side that year and came up the following year. Could be wrong, but pretty certain that's the case. Um, and then Crystal Palace, and we were obviously going to be favoured to beat them considering they were a relegation threatened team that year. So to the final, we get Bolton and it's the McManaman final. He scores on 37. He scores again on 68. They got one back on 69, but we were able to see it out and claim the only silverware of the Roy Evans era at Liverpool. Um, We would win it for the sixth time in the 2000-2001 season. And obviously this is a historic season for us because we won the Cup treble. Uh, We came into this competition in the third round. So this is when they'd given an extra round by for for European teams. Uh, We played Chelsea. We drew 1-1. Game went to extra time. We beat them 2-1. Into the fourth round, we drew Stoke away from home. And we beat them 8-0. Christian Ziga, Vladi Schmitzer, Marcus Babel, a hat-trick from Robbie Fowler. Sammy Hippia and Danny Murphy. A rounding destruction of a bunch of farmers, basically. Um, In the fifth round, we played Fulham at Anfield. Game ended nil-nil. This is a fifth round tie in December at Anfield and 20,000 people turned up. So, you know, crowds weren't quite as good back then as they are in recent years. But... Uh, in extra time, Michael Owen scored on 105 minutes. Vladdy Schmitzer scored on 114. And Nicky Barnby in the last minute made it 3-0. And I would love to know how many people were at that game and left on 85 to beat the traffic or whatever. I'd imagine there was a few. I would imagine there was a few. In the semifinals, we played Crystal Palace and we lost 2-1 in the first leg at Selhurst Park. They went one up with a goal from Rubens, then Clinton Morrison made it two, and then Vladi Schmitzer made it 2-1. And after that game in the press, Clinton Morrison started talking all kinds of crazy, making out that he was a better player than Michael Owen and Robbie Fowler and how you know he should be playing for one of the top clubs. And uh, we responded by beating them 5-0 in the second leg. Uh, Vladi Schmitzer, two from Danny Murphy, Igor Bishkan, 
and Robbie Fowler. We were three up after 18 minutes and the game was pretty much over. In the final, we took on championship side Birmingham City at Cardiff. Fowler put us one up on 30 minutes. Great goal. Darren Purse scored a penalty in the last minute to send it to extra time. The game went to extra time. Couldn't find a winner. On to penalties we went. And obviously, we would go on to claim victory. Uh, McAllister scored. Barnby scored. Ziga scored. Didi Haman, funnily enough, missed. And Didi was one of our more reliable penalty takers. Robbie Fowler scored. And Jamie Carragher actually got the winning penalty. Um, Martin Granger had missed for them. Purse, Marcelo, Stan Lazaridis, Brian Hughes. They'd all scored for them. And then Andy Johnson missed, which was really, really nice moment because really didn't like him. Um, but yeah, we won 5-4 on penalties. It was the first of what would be three trophies that year. Uh, we'd be back to win it again in the 02-03 season. This was obviously the last bit of silverware under Gerard Houllier, but we were rightful winners of this competition. So in the third round, we beat Southampton 3-1. In the fourth round, we beat Ipswich 5-4 on penalties after a 1-1 draw. El Hadjouf scored for us in that game. Uh, in the quarterfinals, we played Aston Villa. We went 1-0 down. Darius Vassell scored. Danny Murphy equalised. Then we went 3-1 up. Milan Barros and Steven Gerrard scored for us. Hitzelsberger scored. Stefan Ancho scored an, an own goal in the 88th minute. And then Danny Murphy on 90 giving us the win and sending us through to a semi-final where we played Sheffield United. And this is also a bit of an infamous one where they beat us 2-1 in the first leg at Bramall Lane. Neil Mellor scores for us and then Michael Tong scores two. And then there's some sort of spitting incident between Phil Thompson and Neil uh, Neil Warnock. And Warnock is talking all sorts of nonsense and he... I think he at one point in the build-up claimed that Michael Tong and Michael Brown were better midfielders than what we had. And Michael Brown was a decent midfielder, had a had a pretty decent career. Michael Tong was a superbly talented player who, unfortunately for him, stayed far too long at Sheffield United. And by the time he left, he was just sort of Sheffield United level. When he was breaking through there at like 19, he was 20 at the time we played them. He did look a hell of a player. He really did look a hell of a player. But unfortunately, he just stagnated and, and never became the player he was expected to be. Uh, we beat them 2-0 in the second leg. Elhad Juff with the opening goal. And then Michael Owen in extra time because we'd scored. There was no away goal rule. Went to extra time on a 2-2 aggregate score and, and Owen got us the winner. And in the final, we took on Manchester United. Obviously, Gerard puts us one up on 39 minutes, that deflected shot that looped in. And then Michael Owen wrapped it up on 86. We played a very clever game in that one. They dominated possession, um, if memory serves. I'll just check that. But I remember we had loads of counter-attacking opportunities and just made a mess of them, really. Uh, do we have any 
possession stats. We don't. We don't, unfortunately. But I'm I'm almost certain I'm right about that. Um, we would get to the final again in 04-05. And unfortunately, we would lose to Chelsea. John Anarisa put us one up on one minute. A Gerrard own goal on 79, deflected free kick, hit him and went in and just sent it to extra time. Drogba scored, Kesman scored. Antonio Nunes did get us one back and we just couldn't find an, equal, an equaliser to force penalties. They were the better team. They were a much better team than us. But despite them winning the league, we would have the last laugh because we would knock them out of the Champions League, obviously, in that famous game at Anfield and go on to win the competition. Uh, it would be 2011-12 before we would have any real joy in this competition. Again, our eighth win. Uh, we played... Exeter, again, shout out to Copology, in the in the second round, because we had no European football, uh, Luis Suarez opened the scoring, Maxi Rodriguez made a two, Andy Carroll made a three, uh, Nardiello pulled one back for them, but a 3-1 victory for the Reds. Uh, we would play Brighton and Hove Albion in the second leg, in the, sorry, the, the third round, and we would go to Brighton and come away with a nice win. 2-1. Craig Bellamy and Dirk Kout with the goals. Uh, consolation last gasp penalty for them. Uh, from Ashley Barnes, who obviously would go on and play for Burnley. I think he's at Norwich now. Um, in the fourth round, we played Stoke. We would go 1-0 behind Kenwin Jones. Scoring and then Luis Suarez with two, one of which is is one of the five best goals I think Suarez scored for Liverpool. Uh, in the fifth round, we will play Chelsea, uh, Maxi and Martin Kelly with the goals away from home. In the semi-finals, we took on Manchester City. We beat them one nil away from home. A Steven Gerrard penalty on thirteen minutes, and then a two-two draw at home. Nigel de Jong scored for them, another Gerrard penalty for us. Ed Jekyll scored for them, a Craig Bellamy goal for us. And on to the final where we took on championship side Cardiff. We go 1-0 down. Just Joe Mason scores. We equalise through Martin Skirtle. Game goes to extra time. Dirk Kout scores. They equalise with two minutes left through Ben Turner. It goes to penalties. Gerard misses. Miller misses for them. Charlie Adam misses. Cowie puts them one up. Cout scores for us. Rudy Gastetti misses. Downing scores for us. Peter Whittingham scores for them. It's 2-2. Glenn Johnson scores for us. And Anthony Gerard misses the penalty for them. Stevie G's cousin. Wrongly donated as his brother, I think, in the recent This Is Anfield quiz. But yeah, um, yeah, we would we would win both Gerrard's missing penalties so they could console each other. But Stevie lifting the cup and us coming away victorious. We got to the final again in the 15-16 season, but unfortunately this was our fourth defeat. Fernandinho put Man City one up on 49 minutes. Phil Coutinho equalised on 83 minutes. 
no ex- no goals in extra time, on to penalties, and and we just we were just shocking. Fernandinho misses, Emery Chan scores, then Navas scores, Lucas Leiva, why he was taking one, I have no idea. He misses. Sergio Aguero scores. Phil Coutinho misses very disappointingly. Yaya scores and Adam Lallana bottles it because, yeah, Adam Lallana. And on then to our last victory in the competition. Victory number nine in the 21-22 season. We come into the competition in the third round. And we beat Norwich 3-0, Taki Minamino with two, and Divock Origi with the other. In the fourth round, we beat Preston. It's Taki, it's Divock with that outrageous back heel. In the quarterfinal, we play Leicester. And they go 2-0 up through Jamie Vardy on 9 minutes and 13. Ox gets one back, but then James Madison scores. And it feels like that's it because they've got a strong team out. We've played quite a rotated team. But Diogo Jota scores on 68 and then Taki Minamino scores on 95. And by this time, the rules have changed. No extra time, so it's straight to penalties. Milner scores, Thielemann scores, Bobby scores, Madison scores, Ox scores, Albrighton scores, Naby scores, Luke Thomas misses, Taki misses, Ian Acho scores, Jota scores, and Ryan Bertrand didn't. What might have been his only one of his only appearances? He certainly didn't make many appearances for Leicester. Let's let's have a look at how many he did make in his two years there. Eleven in total, all in that year. Uh, this was one of two appearances in this competition, and he missed the penalty to send them out. So on to the semi-finals we went, and we drew Arsenal. They obviously won the first leg, nil-nil, at Anfield and celebrated as if they'd won the treble. And Ben White was very excited with himself. Aaron Ramsdale was very excited with himself. We missed a couple of sitters in that game, Tacky most notably. And I always remember Aaron Ramsdale laughing at him. But he wasn't fucking laughing when we played them in the second leg and Diogo Jota dog-walked Ben White and left Aaron Ramsdale flailing on the floor, 2-0 to the Reds, and on we marched to the final, where we took on Chelsea. Obviously, the game ends 0-0. There is extra time. No goals in that. They obviously had a couple of goals chalked off. We go to the penalty shootout, and it's one of the most remarkable penalty shootouts I've ever seen. Milner scores... Marcus Alonso scores. Fabinho does the dink and he scores. Lukaku scores. Virgil snatches away Kepa's manhood and he scores. Kai Havertz scores. Trent scores. Reese James scores. Salah scores. Jorginho scores. Jota scores. Rudiger scores. Divock scores. Engolo Kante scores. Andy Robertson scores. Timo Werner scores. Harvey Elliott steps up and bangs it in. Great penalty. Then Thiago Silva steps up and scores. We had taken nine brilliant penalties to that point. They had a couple of ropey ones that maybe Keller should have saved. 
Then Ibu steps up and it's the first time you feel a little bit nervous because he's a centre-back and he's not a technically gifted player. Decent technical player, but he's not a gifted player. Gifted physically, great defender. Third best defender in the, in the central defender in the league for my money. Kepa gets his hand to it, probably should save it, but it goes in. Chalaba scores. And now it's down to the goalkeepers. And anything can happen. And Cuevin Keller steps up and digs back into his memory from when he was a Gaelic football player growing up. And he runs up and lashes it in the back of the net and Kepa doesn't have hope. So then it's Kepa's turn. And Kepa obviously has somewhat of a checkered past with this competition, including refusing to leave the field after he'd been subbed um, and therefore cancelling the sub and going on to lose the penalty shootout while Willie Caballero, a penalty expert, was sat on the bench. Uh, he's just been beaten 11 times in a row in a shootout. He's just seen his opposite number beat him. He steps up and he makes absolute hames of it. It's a beautiful thing. And we managed to win a penalty shootout despite them scoring 10 times and our goalkeeper not saving any um, because he skies it. And we go on to win it. And that is obviously the first of two cups we would win. We came very close to winning a couple more, but a couple more trophies that year, but wasn't to be. Um, so that is that is basically our history in this competition. You know, four finals that we've lost. Nine that we've won. 13 finals is the most of anybody. Uh, next up would be United, who've been in 10. They've won six and lost four. Uh, next most wins is City. They've won eight, only lost one. They haven't lost a League Cup final since 1973. And they were winning this competition before we were. They were in three finals before we were in any. They won it in 70, won it in 76, and lost it in 74. Um. Aston Villa have also been in nine finals like City, but they've won five and lost four. Chelsea, exactly the same, won five, lost four. Spurs have been in nine finals, but they've won four and lost five, uh, including the last three that they've been in. They're out of it this year, obviously, so no real need to worry with them. Arsenal have a shocker of a record, though. They've been in eight finals and only won two of them. And they've lost their last three as well, 7, 11, and 18 um, eight finals, two wins. It's quite like Juventus's record in Champions League finals. Anyway, that is it. That's what we've got for today. Euro, Euro, uh, Europa League, EFL Cup, Liverpool versus Leicester. On AnfieldIndex.com, there's a deep dive into Joe Gomez. There is a piece about Pep and Linda shedding some light on Thiago's absence. A piece about Darwin, based off what Pep and Linda's had to say. A uh, piece about Mo and how few penalties he gets, despite how many he deserves, despite the BMP members of the West Ham fan base calling him a diver. And then there's a piece with me telling Virgil he must do better. Um, Podcast-wise, there is a pod up about the press conference that Pep and Linders did ahead of this Leicester game. And there is the new under pressure. Uh, no Daniel Rhodes. He was unwell. Hopefully he'll be better soon. Dan Kennett, Phil Barker and Cy Brundish, they talk about the last game and the West Ham game. So do give that a good listen when you get a chance. And that's it, folks. That's all I have. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. 
We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.